This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everyone, and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah. I'll leave this time from my dining room. 310 starts. Oh, it's starting at 310? Day 2 class will start shortly. Uh, uh, never mind. Oh, wait, I'll be back in a second. No, 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 you're on. Oh, I'm on? <laughs> oh, okay, I'm on. Anyway, uh, overlooking my backyard. Um, here we are in honor of the uh, coronavirus, so we're doing things a little differently. Uh, we don't have an audience today, but I got my whole family sitting here. So, uh, hi kids. Hi. How you doing? Everyone say hi to Tati. Hi. I should say. Hello. Um, so, what I thought we'd do, I'm not sure we'll do this, but at least today we'll start it, is, you know, I talk a lot about meditation. And uh, you know, my classes are, you know, it's called Practical Spirituality, which means, uh, there's no, there's no sound? Someone came on. Someone came on. What do you mean? Someone came on. That's great. Don't speak to me unless it's emergency. Uh, or if you have a question. If you have a question, then let me. So, volume's up and you don't hear anything? Okay, do you mind... Uh, So you got it on. You got me on there, but no, vo- no volume. What is What I'm afraid of is uh, underneath the tripod thing is a volume button, meaning on this side. Okay. If you touch my touch my picture there, now you got options down there. Yeah. And I'm wondering if one of them is to turn on my audio. Down there, you're saying? Yes. Someone said it sounds great. Oh, uh, no, not that. <laughs> Thank you. But we're doing this also on Zoom. Oh. Everyone just be patient for a second. Can I take it off? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> this is sound. More? Or this? Let me see. Yeah, I'm just checking it out here. I know, uh, wait, just to minimize me, virtual background, very soon. Had my video in gallery view. None of those. Uh, it's amazing we can't get a thumbs up from anyone in Zoom. That's a shame. Uh, but we just went on it on my wife's computer and it didn't show up with sounds. Let's see. Uh, mute. Now it's muted. No, it must be on. It must be on. I don't know why it's not coming out of there. Other people can hear. No, that's another thing. Okay. So, uh, okay, so that's it. I got no one on staff to help me here. Okay, uh, yeah, let's put this back. Moishi? Yeah. Can you put this back? Someone said a thumbs up. Oh, thumbs up on the Zoom or thumbs up on... Uh, on uh, Facebook, it doesn't help me on Facebook. I know, I know Facebook cares. Okay. Look on Facebook. See if everything's good. Everything's fine on Facebook. All is good. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Now I speak a lot about meditation and um, and. What exactly I'm talking about, I rarely go into. 
And but I think maybe this week it's worth it, especially without an audience. Um, meaning without a live audience, except for these sweet kids in front of me, um, that we actually go into what I mean when I say meditation, because there's a lot, of, first of all, a lot of types of meditation. And the word meditation to begin with, I know it makes a lot of people think of Easterners, but it has nothing to do with Easterners. The word meditation means to focus on one thing at a time. So what happens in meditation is anytime you are focused on um Anytime you're focused... Oh, I love it. You know what I love is a vitamin C tea. That would be great. Vitamin C tea with some Ceylon in there. Anyway, so when someone's focused on one thing, they generally, their mind wanders, and then they pull their mind back. And the word in, in uh, Hebrew is kavanah, and the word kavanah means to align. So like when you go to a, when you go to a car shop, you want your car aligned, you want the wheel aligned in your car. So meaning you want your steering wheel and the tires working exactly together. So what, what happens is you ask them, actually in Hebrew, you ask them for lechavein, lechavein, kavanah. Um, try not to put any weight on the table. It shakes the whole camera. So if you do anything with the table, just get on slowly. Speaking of my nine-year-old, he's jumping around over there. So the, um, anyway, so how does that work with us? So you got your mouth saying certain words, if you say mantra, like Shema Yisrael or Enon Melvang or something like that. And then you got your mind, which is, you know, either in line with what you're saying, meaning you're thinking about the words you're saying and going deeper into them, or your mind's in left field, meaning your mind's just somewhere else. Thank you so much. Oh, Ah, so that's uh, that was a meditation because I kept my mind on the, I kept my mind on my thoughts. One of the reasons we close our eyes during meditation is because we are, you know, we're really focusing our mind to be in line, not like thinking about baseball scores, but rather my mind and my mouth are saying the same thing. We're aligned, so. It's a good thing to close your eyes. I and mean, think how much stimulation your eyes take in. Your eyes are carrying it. Things are coming in at the speed of light. Extremely distracting, the eyes. Whereas uh, when I close my eyes, so then I can much more likely focus just my simple words with, with my thoughts and have them working together. Now, the meditation, meditation when it comes to Jewish prayer is very, very connected to every word we say. It's all part of the meditation. So in brachot, for example, brachos, we say, if anyone touches the table, I prefer no one touches the table, and just grab a chair somewhere and sit, but if you really want to sit on the table, do so in a way that doesn't shake the camera. Okay? So, the, um, the, can someone make my tea sweeter? It's, it's like too tart. Okay. Just making like. Um, anyway, but all the words we say in prayer are to are part of the meditation because again, the definition of meditation is having your lips, your voice, and your mind together, and you're constantly pulling back your mind back to the to the words. 
The meditation we're going to focus on now is, is the meditation of the Shemone Esri. And we're going to go word by word. It's going to take a long time, but all of it is very spiritual. And we're going to work, work through it. And I also have a great Kabbalistic um, uh, commentary that I'm using here, which is a very rare sitter. It's called Tefilas Moshe Aaron, or Seder Avoida Umoraderech. It is uh, extremely rare. In fact, when we studied it, um, it's from a Rabbi Goyen Atzadik, Rab Aaron, and Rabbi Chil Michal Alemi. Um, Mata Levi based Levi and it's uh, we had it printed especially for our shear with Rav Shalom Friedman and um, I really don't know much more about it except it was printed in London and um Can I tell you? It was from the year. Moishi? What? Can you help me find the year this sitter was? Oh, Taf Kuf Pei Zion. When is that? Taf Kuf Pei Zion. That's like 1800s. It's from the 1800s, this particular. Thank you so much. And what's this word here? That big word? Miss Lavita. I don't know where Slavita is. Anyway, let's see what he says about the Shemone Esri. It's 1827. 1827? Well, amazing. This tea is much better, I think. The matter of the Shechina, which means God's divine presence, being uh, in exile. Akwal hu ki haburibohu God's constantly flowing life force into the world. And he wants that his infinite flow should be received always. Because, so to speak, and he says so to speak because he can't give God too many human attributes, but to God there's great pleasure. That God gets great pleasure when we receive his divine flow, his divine effulgence. And if we don't receive the flow from God, it gives God pain if we're not receiving His flow. And that, and then what winds up happening is He winds up flowing His shefa. To what are called the chitzonim. Now, what are the chitzonim? Chitzonim are, let's just call it the, the dark side. But when we say the dark side, there's multiple levels of dark side. 
one level of the dark side is the um, is the 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 physical world, which is called neutral dark side. Like for example, this tea has you know it's for sure kosher coming out of my kitchen with my wife in charge over there. So it's 100% kosher tea. So that's for, it's part of the dark side because it's physical. If it's physical, it can't be pure light because the light has to get taken down and notch after notch after notch, veil after veil after veil until there's physicality. It automatically means it's less light shining through. But anything that's kosher is neutral dark side. Neutral dark side. There, and there are things that are kosher that are beyond neutral dark side. Like, for example, kiddish. You've already made kiddish on a cup. You've sanctified a cup of wine. That's no longer dark side you're drinking. Now you're drinking kedusha. You're drinking the side light. So there's kedusha, which is the side light. Then there's neutral dark side, like this kosher tea I'm drinking. That's why it's called mutter. It's permitted to drink, but the word mutter also means to be released. Matir, mutar, means released, like untying shoes. You release your foot from the shoe. It's released and ready to fly back to God. You know, all those veils, by the way, are made of beings inside. All those beings are kind of trapped in command from God to create whatever they're creating. In this case, it's tea, which has vitamin C, and it has silan, uh, which is uh, date, honey. Anything else in here? Honey. And honey itself. So all those, those are trapped beings in the spiritual parallel realms that are moving their way down, ultimately hitting this tea. But it's tea, this tea is per- permitted, and therefore... It can be raised, it's given to be raised up. Whereas, if you had a little pig juice in this tea, God forbid, so then the tea is now called asur, and the word asur means tied up, it's bound. To bind somebody is laser. So the jail, binding a whole human being in jail is called betaisur. The jail means a place, a house of bound up people. Something that's asur, you can't raise that stuff. Just got out of the shower, by the way. I don't know how I look right now, but I realize my pace are still uh, still a little wet. I don't know if I'm making them crazy or better. Um, anyway, that's called betai surim, and uh, and the the word asur means forbidden, and which means that you can't raise it up. And you meet people sometimes. They're usually like hippies or something that were raised from or not raised from, but they're. There are people who like, but they know enough about Judaism that they're doing something wrong, but they've somehow convinced themselves that they can raise, they, I can raise this thing up. That's, you know, clearly on the list of forbidden. And so they're just fooling themselves because if God says it's forbidden, it's forbidden. If it's hit the list of the asurim, of isur, of, of that which is bound, if it's hit the list of bound up, I don't care how high you are, you're not lifting, you're not raising that up. That's, that thing's stuck inside the, what's called the chitzainim, which is our discussion. The chitzainim are even further removed from the light, which is the, which are, which is called again the chitzainim, which is, uh, which is the, which where we are right now in our book, that's where God sends down the flow he sends the flow, it turns, that whole thing turns. He sends down the flow, the top piece turns. God sends down the flow to the chitzonim when, uh, when, um, when we're not receiving it, meaning, meaning 
when we receive the flow, he sends it straight to us from his joy of our relationship of him sending flow and us receiving flow. Whereas when we don't receive the flow, he sends it to the chitzanim. Now, what are the chitzanim? The, the, there's no real term for that except the, dark, the fully dark side. So we've got the dark side that's neutral. That's the world of the mutter, released. And then there's the fully dark side, which is the, the uh, fully forbidden. And that is the, um, that's the total dark side. And that's, that's called, the, in, in Kabbalah, it's called the klipas tameus legamri, the completely impure um, uh, dark side. And, it's, um, and there's three levels of them, but not important for us. It just gets darker and darker. That's the extremities. And God winds up, if, in a way you can say, it kind of bypasses us, meaning as it's coming down, it bypasses us and goes all the way to the extremities. Uh, by the way, those extremities are, are mentioned in, uh, I mean, they come up in different times. Like, for example, um, when you're going to eat a bread meal, you're doing something very high. When we, for example, uh, yeah, bread meal. When we're going to have a bread meal, like when Jewish people break bread, it's super high stuff we're doing. And we're going to be doing the highest prayer of all, which is Birkat HaMazon, which is higher than all these prayers in this prayer book. When we go, when we go to something that high, we have to first wash our hands. Because those are these are the extremities. When we sleep at night, one sixtieth of our sleep is death, and where that death winds up, that one sixtieth death winds up on the extremities of the body. Because God created us in His image, which doesn't mean re- for real. Because His image, He doesn't have one; He's infinite, so there's no image. But what it does mean is we're created in the way of the ten spheros. But also, our body even shows up with the dark side, which is the extremities, and that's why we're busy washing our fingertips for different things, like, for example, coming out back from sleep. And then when we're going to do the, the blessing after the meal, which is the highest thing, we wash our fingertips. We're just kind of giving a little recognition to the dark side, because when we do super high stuff, so the dark side gets its fly swatter in the spiritual worlds and tries to swat it down. And that's like one of the tricks, for example, in Kaddish, we move Kaddish to Aramaic, because the, the, those beings in the parallel worlds, including the dark ones, they don't understand Aramaic. They only understand the Lashon HaKodesh, which is the key language. The Holy Tongue of Hebrew is the language of the creation. And so they only understand Hebrew. So we actually, some of our holier stuff we do, we move it to Aramaic. You know, if you ever hit Aramaic in prayer, it's because we're trying to slide things through. Because what happens is that those beings, if you could sit right in front, those beings, those beings have, uh, they have a, their job is just to send stuff down from God and back up from us. And so if I send up Aramaic, they just have to send it up phonetically. They just have to send up the sounds. And then God unscrambles the message back to the Holy Tongue up above. So you'll know anytime prayer hits Aramaic, it's trying to slide it up to the, it's sliding it back up to God without it getting, uh, you know, uh, swatted down. So one of the holiest things we do, as I said before, is the blessing after the meal. The only prayers we have, that and Shema Yisrael, one of the only few things you utter, a couple other things, that we utter that are Torah commandments. And so the, and so the, the uh, Birkat Amazon, the blessing after the meal, amazingly, we wash our fingertips right before. And it's like we're sending a little like, hello, 
to the dark side, like, we know you're there and we're giving you your little service here. And we give them their service so they'll shut up so we can say the blessing after the meal. Blessing after the meal really should be in, in the holy tongue. Uh, you know this world's old-fashioned when you, in the, the squeaking on the recording is the uh, people's laundry on the lines outside. <laughs> yes, I live in a courtyard that still has people hanging laundry on the lines and without dryers. Think about ne- that next time I mention to, that I'm raising money for the holidays. Yeah, I've got families living literally 10 feet from me who... who don't have washing machines. Or, or they have washing machines, I think. Everyone has a washing machine. Not everyone has a dryer. Anyway, dryers are overrated. Now, the... Um, anyway, back to our... So that was a long discussion of how everything goes to the chitzayin, to the uh, order. You know what would be great is a clock, if you could find a clock somewhere, just so I can keep track of time. Or watch, or anything. No, no, a clock for me. <laughs> Just something on the table. It could be a watch. Anyway, um, so it sends, God sends his flow to the chitzayin, which is a shame. Like, why should we miss this flow? The king re'u'i l'kol ben-adam Yisrael lomar biliboy and therefore, everyone should say, every Jew should say in their heart, um, and you're just going to say this in your heart, Behold, I am ready to pray in honor of life and livelihood, in honor of the Creator may be blessed. That he should get pleasure from this. And that and that I can receive his flow. Meaning you should actually even have in mind that you should receive his flow. And that's what it says in the Zohar Kodesh. Inun svochin kekalbin havlan chay havlan mizan that the it says in the, in the Zohar that it says the dogs are screaming. Uh, give us, give us life, give us food. Like the dogs are screaming that, and, and we're asking God to give us life. Ve'lachar. Yitchamitz levavenoish. Chami, what's the word yitchamitz? I know the word chametz because we're cleaning for Pesach. It would be sour. Oh yeah, in English levavenoish, it would be sour in the heart of man. Oh, because because shmarim are 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 tart, are sour, right? Like sour. Sourdough. And, uh, and it appears that someone's heart should be bitter. And why in truth are we asking for life and, and, uh, and uh, 
how do you say, sustenance. But when you switch it from when you switch it from just give me, give me, have have, which is like the way they pretend the dog's voice is have have, like bark bark. In Hebrew, I think that is the way they do it, right? In, you know, in, in English, you say roof roof uh, or bark bark, but uh, in Hebrew, it's ha ha, which means give, give. Should be sad for us, rather. We should be saying, Rather, this created the universe, we want him to have pleasure from our prayers. And that's the kavana of the Zohar Kodesh. That, uh, that people are like, you know, they're just calling out for their own well being. Not thinking about God. So that there should be that God should have pleasure. Okay, so let's go. Here we go. We're going to go into the prayers. And, uh, oh, that looks so good. Think I could eat it on the live thing? No? My wife just brought out eggs. Can we take them out of the room, though, so I'm going to stare at them? I haven't eaten yet today. I'm, like, filling my hunger with teeth. Okay, here we go. So... We start with Hashem Sifasai Tifta Hufia Diti Lusah. God, open my mouth so that my. Oh, sorry, God, open my lips so that my mouth can say your praise. We always start with that, and then it starts with Bogh. So now we're in the silent meditation. Baruch, we bend our knees and we say Baruch. And word Baruch has several meanings. One is uh, uh, Baruch means to uh, draw down because the word knees, knees are berach or berkain. And you'll see that knees draw down the stature of a person. And you'll see when we make the Shemone Esri, when you bend your knees, you're like Baruch, you're, you're already, um, your head goes from like here to here just because you bent your knees. Baruch. So it means again. It means the the root of the word Baruch, Beit Rish Chaf, which I know we all translate as blessing, but uh, but it really means to. Um, it, it means it also means bless. Blessed are you, but God didn't need our blessing. What it's really saying is that uh, that we're drawing down blessing into the world by God, and it also is the word Brecha, same root, which means uh, pool, Brecha. And um, the word Brecha means a source of sustenance. Uh, today, in modern days, you know, people swim in pools. So we call that also Brecha. But historically, a body of water was how the world survived, drinking, irrigation. And boy, we had a lot of blessing of rain this year. Oh, my gosh. The... Uh, the Today, the canary is about 70 centimeters from the top. First time in like 
decades it got this high. They're gonna this year they're gonna have to open up the dam and actually let the water down the down the Jordan Valley, which is cool. I'd love to watch that. Wouldn't that be cool to see? After so many years. Anyway, the um, so so the word Baruch means that we're drawing down from the source of sustenance. That God is the source of sustenance, and we're going to draw down from it. Now the next word is Atah, and in Atah, there we go flat out, like we bend our bodies into L shapes, literally down. This would be your lower back, bottom vertebrae. So Baruch just lowers you, and then Atah flattens you. And you're supposed to have in mind that you're flat on your face on the ground, but but our we do we our standing meditation is such that you it would not make sense for you to be flat on your ground. So you just go flat out like that including your neck straight. Different opinions how you come up. Some hold you come up with your body and then your neck, and uh, some hold your neck and then your body. Most Ashkenazim at least go uh, neck and then body. They start with their head and then move the rest of their body up. And the... Anyway, but the word atah, you, is a chutzpah. Like, how dare we call God atah? Because he's... Um, because calling God Atah is second person, and you just don't call people that. You know, I was watching a press conference with Trump just uh, last night, and everyone's saying, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President. You know, you know does the president believe that this, that, or what does the president feel about this? You know, they're not referring to him in, as you. And, um, and our, the head of our yeshiva, yeshiva of Yitzhak Berkowitz, we call him the Rosh Hashiva, period. Like, how's the Rosh Hashiva feeling? Would the Rosh Hashiva like some water? Can I ask the Rosh Hashiva a question? We don't use third person. If it's a king, it's your highness. If it's a judge, it's your honor. Okay? But when it comes to God, ata, you. Hey, you, God, second person. Which is what the, the Kabbalists call Lashem Chutzpah. It's a chutzpah to call God ata, you. Because, like, who are we to call God you? You know, he's an infinite being. He's infinitely beyond us. So he's like, he's, for all the more reasons, someone you should refer to only in the third person. And yet we refer to God in the second person, Atah, you. So the question is, how? How can you do it? And the answer is, shh, could we be quiet back there, please? So... My like my close students are like watching the way I come in my home. I hope I'm being gentle. Um, nothing that gentle, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, whatever. This is not a discussion of how I talk to my kids when they're making too much noise or shaking the table. Um, anyway, the uh, by the way, they all took off at this point except for my sweet Nachami. Nachami's still watching. And uh, she's with me, and then I'm actually teaching you this whole time. I should really put on my glasses so I can see it better. I'm teaching everybody, but I, I'm not used to speaking into a camera, because I know I'm from Hollywood, but I'm not an actor, like, officially. Although, I, who knows uh, how long this virus goes on, maybe I'll actually get good at speaking into a camera. I don't know. Um, anyway, but Atas, the Kabbalists say language of Kutzvah, how dare us call God you in the second person? So it turns out, why do we call God you? The answer is, is because 
We are, ready for this, contemporaries with God. Contemporaries. What do you mean we're contemporaries with God? He's infinite and we're finite. How does that make, that make us contemporaries? And for Yiddish speakers, you know the word contemporary in the You can ask me questions question anyway. So the word, and anyone on Facebook, she's watching that too. If you have questions, you can ask. If she sees questions come up, there's comments down below. So if someone asks a question, you can read. Contemporary means you're equals, you know? Like, uh, for example, two different judges are contemporary judges. So those are called contemporaries. Mom, you have a definition of contemporary? People of equal status? Contemporaries. Friends are contemporaries. Like, Rosh Hashivas probably don't call each other Rosh Hashiva. They probably call each other you. When two judges are playing tennis after the day in court, they don't say, would your honor serve? It's, they, they say, it's your serve. You know, go ahead and serve. They call each other you. Second person is for contemporaries. Uh, by the way, there's certain languages that have this built into the word you. Like, for example, Spanish has two for contemporaries and usted for um, for people who are uh, that you have to show particular respect for. That's usted. Um, Moish, you mind refilling this for me just with hot water, please? There's a cliche in so the so the just use a cliche. Anyway, the what were you talking about? Contemporary. Ah, is that is that you? We're you. Is we're saying ultimately we're contemporaries of God. But how are we contemporaries? The answer is that when you say Baruch, when you first bend down and you lower your stature, meaning you lowered your ego, because the human being is a upstanding creature. We're one of the only upstanding, upright creatures on two legs. And that's our ego. That's also a representation of the ego of man. And when we lower our stature by bending our knees, our baruch, our birkayim, the blessing, the knees, when we lower our knees, thank you so much, sir. You want to say hi to everyone? Not really. So you got such a wonderful haircut. So when you when you, when you start with the lowering of the stature, well, I'll ask you, Nechami, when, when the body goes down, what comes up? When the body's lowered, what comes up? The soul, the neshama. That's right. Well, what's a neshama? Very good. Say louder. good. Tell me that. So this, the soul is a portion of God above. Well, if your soul, because think about it, your soul isn't a, um, you know, it's, it's not like it's separate from God. Think about it. Your soul, also, it's not part of your body. Like, if you go in an MRI, they're not going to find the soul anywhere in there. It's not part of it. You do a brain scan, never is your soul going to show up on a brain scan. In other words, there's no I in MRI. Yeah, there's no I, there's no me. You don't show up there. Your point of reference is not physical. It's, the, it's part of the soul. When I say it's part of the soul, that's a whole discussion on souls. It's like the thinnest micro-millimeter, like nanometer of, of, a, of a, a krum. How do you say krum? Remember, you know the word krum in uh, English? Membrane. Membrane. It's like the thinnest membrane of the soul is the, your sense of self, but it's part of the soul. It's not in the physical body. It, in, it USB cable, click, to your brain. Your brain reports to it, but it's not part of your physical body. 
and the um, anyway. So, so when you lower your stature, meaning when you humble yourself, the soul. When the body goes down, the soul rises, and the soul's part of God, and that's why you call God Atah. That's how you can call God Atah. <laughs> that was a very long-winded version of getting to Atah. But you can, clearly, you can clearly understand that you better slow down when you pray if you want to get all this stuff in, which means prayer is meditation. I'm not saying you're going to meditate every time you say these words in a, in a minion, in a prayer group. But you should definitely take your time once in a while. You know, I try to hit this at least once a day. I say it three times a day, but I try to hit it once a day like this. I go out of my way for it, and it's it's worth it, just to take your time. What I do is I start with a minion. Let's say I'm going to do it at the Western Wall, so I'll start with a minion. I might put on, a, if I really want to go deep, I'll put on a, something to block out the sound, either a sound reduction or, or something really long strokes like meditation sounds not music long sounds just to block out any other sounds and I start well the kids were quiet pretty long that wasn't bad anyway but I'll start with the sound I mean, I'm sorry I'll start with the minion and then uh, and then I'll just let it go like there could be four or five minions go by by the time I finish my answer but that's a good thing to do once in a while. If not, once a day. Now, uh, but, but how about the definition of the word atah? All we handled so far was that it's second person. What about its definition? So, atah is a very amazing word, the word you, because it means nothing. Like, all it is is just, you know, it's like a direct object of the recipient, you. But think about even your own you. Like when someone says, hey, how are you? Like what does that you mean exactly? What is the you that they're speaking to? Is it your body? Is it your name? Is it your clothing? Is it your... Like what exactly is the you when someone calls you you? And that's an incredible discussion in itself because the answer is, is that it's really back to the soul. It's just that point of reference. It's just my spiritual essence. So the word you means essence. When it comes to God, it means essence. But what's God's essence? What is this infinite being's essence? And the answer is, well, we have no idea. We don't, we don't know what the essence of God is. We have no clue. And so you have to actually have in mind nothing because you're talking about the essence of a being that takes up no time or space, has no definitions. It's just this infinite being. And so... Saying atah is not simple at all. You've got to really take your time there, or maybe you have to say it more than once just to get it done. You'll notice the Amshan of Rebbe, who's like the prayer master of our generation, he'll say the word atah so many times, you know, till he finally gets it right, because he probably has something in mind each time. How can you not? Like the human brain generally is generally couched in space and time. And so, you know, we can't help but say atah you know, and think of something, like, because everyone has some concept of God. But there is no concept of God. So you have to get rid of your concepts of God when you say the word atah, because you're talking about God's essence. Okay, so we got baruch means to draw down from the source of all sustenance, the source of all existence. Atah is to the essence, and then you're, now you're flat out, bending from the uh, lowest of your vertebrae. 
Um, you know, our, our sages say that anyone who can't bend all the way down, and Elena Lishabet, by the way, but Anachim Korim Mishtafim is also all the way down. So that anyone who doesn't, anyone who can't bend all the way down, his spine turns into a snake. That's what it says. His spine turns into a snake. Uh, I know what that means intuitively. I don't know if I can explain it exactly, but let's put it in the positive. But if you can bend down like that, if you can humble yourself before God, you'll be straight with everyone else. Because, you know, we all get tempted with you know, making a little extra money or getting away with something or protecting our name or something with a little lying here and there or, you know, just untruths. And... Uh, but as if God's not listening. But God is listening. God is watching. And someone who can, in the positive, someone who can bend down all the way and just like, you know, be totally bent down in front of God. I remember uh, first learning prayer, and, you know, we were taught about bending down. And so here I was, I went to pray, and I noticed I only went down a little bit, and I was not going further. And as I looked around, I noticed everyone else was kind of giving these kind of token bows around the, you know, it was all these polychuba with me, you know, 28 years ago. And the, everyone was giving kind of these half bows. And then there were some guys who were just like, and like flat out, you know. And the, um, anyway, but I realized, oh my gosh, I, it's not easy to do that. Like, it's un-American to bow down like that, you know. And, uh, but it is the way of our people is to be Flat out before God. Anyway, that's Baruch Hanata. The next is Hashem. And there you come up from flat out. You come neck first. You slowly raise your body up. Okay? For Hashem's name. Baruch Hashem. And Hashem's name is pronounced uh, Ado and then Noi. It's important not to say Nai because it's an act- It's the vowel underneath is a Kometz and a Kometz is noi, not nai. And some people were taught nai. And uh, so you want to get the noi. I know it sounds very isn't Yiddish. Isn't that the Sephardi Minha? A lot of, what, isn't what the Sephardi Minha? Nai. Saying nai is... Really? They say more nai than we, than the average Ashkenazi, but but it's not nai. It's not like, it's like, no, no. I can't even say. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes when I'm listening to a Sephardi uh, leader of the Minion, sometimes I, I'm kind of trying to figure out if he's over nying it as opposed to noy. Somewhere in the middle. Uh, but once in a while you get to, uh, like, for example, uh, uh, modern Orthodox communities in Israel, the Dati uh, Lumi uh, community, sometimes someone will give a big nigh. And... Um, and that's not how it's pronounced. Anyway, the bottom line is under the nun is a konitz, which is more of an o. It's a. It's supposed to be actually a con- contractive vowel, and it starts with a. Is the pata under the aleph a? That's uh, expansion. Every every uh, vowel is either expansion or contraction. I mean, it's either masculine or feminine, and. Uh, and uh, that's another class, we're not going to go into that. But the, but the a, do, and then noi is how it's pronounced. And, but meanwhile, it doesn't say that in the prayer book. What it says is the yud and the he, and the vav and the he, which is in funny English books on Kabbalah called the tetragrammaton. 
You know that? It's called a tetragrammaton. I don't know if it's, I like it because it sounds like Star Wars, you know, it's some kind of a, sounds like a science fiction film or something. Anyway, so when you say that word, that, that Aldo word, um, you're supposed to have in mind certain things when you say it. And so you've got to kind of keep it slow. Now, I'm about to tell you all the things you have to have in mind. Just like, good luck with this one. But there's a lot to have in mind. So let's talk about the various things. First of all, um, just on a very simple level, um, which is not simple at all, but you're supposed to have in mind that he's, um, that the, the name is the construct of Haya Hoive Vihie, which means was, is, and will be. Because the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He are the construct. It's like, um, combine, if you recombine it, it's was, is, and will be, meaning outside space and time. And by the way, this is the expansive name of God that causes the actual expansion of creation. So that's the, uh, that's the Shem Hashem, Shem Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. It's the expansive name. And that is, uh, uh, so that's was, is, and will be. And also, but what word are we using? The Adon word, which is master. So we, you're also supposed to have in mind Adon Hakol, the master of everything. So the word you're using is master. And it's also my master, right? So it's my master is the word we're using, but what we're having in mind is was, is, and will be. To go a little further, um, and this is more of the study of the ten spheros, but the yud of God's name is, is the, first of all, the thorn on the yud of God's name is keter, is desire. I'm not going to give a whole ten spheros here, no. but it, the yud of God's name is chokhmah, the He of God's name is Bina. And then the Vav of God's name, is Chesekur Tiferes Netzachod Yisod. And the Vav also equals six by no coincidence. And it draws, because what is a Vav? It's just a Yud that comes from Chachmah all the way down to physicality into this world. And Yisod is the USB cable of God's infinite flow to our world. And our world is the final He of God's name, which is Malchus which is the, the physical world, the recipient of the whole flow of creation. That's the final head of God's name. So when I'm meditating on this, on God's name, so I say the whole name. When I get to the noi part, I hold it long, and I look across at the yud. Close my eyes a moment for the for chokhmah. Not, not explaining chokhmah right now. And then the, I look at, point, look at the hey, close my eyes for bina. And just for those of you a little more advanced, so the Chachmah is all possibility. And then the Bina is, is the, how it all is distinguished, but in potential. And then the, I open my eyes real quick, check out the Vav, and have in mind how the Chesed is flowing, it, like the, the light of Hashem, the Orient, so flows into creation. The Gevura limits that flow, that's the parallel worlds limiting that flow. And then Tiferis, the third one, is... is um, that the limit of the flow is exactly fitting for our world. That's the final hey, our world. So it's exactly fitting. Netzach is how it keeps going. Hod is that God stays focused on the, t- you know, keeping our world, and, you know, because that He doesn't just flow it out of existence, but very focused, you know, that the whole system's focused. And then finally, uh, Yisod is that it stays 
totally connected to us that it doesn't, you know, that, that's the, that it's always appropriate. And that's why you'll notice, like, no matter who's listening to this and whoever's not listening to this, I mean, the other 7 billion people, that everyone's going through exactly what they need to be going through, which is the weirdest thing in the world. But, like, how did God pull that off? That every single being is, is getting exactly what they need, which is like, you know, like, that's what always makes me wonder about atheists. It's like, it's like, okay, that's cute. You know, you want to say this world's all you get. Okay, then why is your life so specifically orchestrated? And so is everyone else's. While meanwhile, you think you have free will and so do they. It's like, huh? Like, how's this all getting done here? Anyway, but that's the, that's Yiso. That's, that's Yiso. And that's why a tzaddik is called Yisod Olam, tzaddik Yisod Olam, because the tzaddik is, and Yosef's the sixth of the shepherds, right? Aram Yitzhak Yaakov, Moshe Aram, Yosef David. And the, he's the sixth of the shepherds, and his whole job was just realizing it. What's the tzaddik? If you look at the shape of the tzaddik, if it's like a guy doing yoga, so his hands are up in heaven, and his body is totally on the baseline. He's totally in the physical world. And Yosef was the treasurer of Egypt. He was like, like totally in the physical world. And uh, but he always knows everything's from God. It's all from God. Everything I'm going through, like they throw me in a pit. Okay, Shivisi Hashem. It's all equal to me. The word Shivisi means it's equal. So Shivisi Hashem. Oh, they take me out of the pit. Shivisi Hashem. Oh, they make me the head of the pit. So the head of this to the head of that. You guys, oh, now I have more of an audience. Let's all say it together. They make me the head of Egypt. So they, uh, so it's like, it's always, it's always equal to me. And uh, I got a whole choir. Let's try it again, all of us. Ready? Throw me in a pit. Take me out of the pit. They make me the head of everything. <laughs> well, I don't get to teach a class in my kids in the room every day. It's, it's super cute. Um, well, I can just get out of the room. You're probably like, what the hell is going on here? Now, the... Um, <laughs> who's doing that? The Miriam? Okay. <laughs> it was mainly Rachel. No, she was saying the words. No, I didn't. Okay, let's go back. Back. So, so the, um, anyway, and then I look again at the, I look again at the name of God, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, and I look at the final He, and the final He has, is Malchus, and that's this physical world. And then, and then I, at that point I've run out of air, because the whole time I'm doing everything I just said, I'm saying, no, and having all of that in mind at the same time. So it's good to work. Shh, no noise, please. So it's good to work on. Um, it's good to work on the on your breath work too. I do a lot of breath work too before and during. And obviously, everything said is on the exhale and the uh, and yeah. That's basically how it's done. Um, I think we have time for Elokeinu. And Elokeinu is the word Elokeim Shemandu. It's just a construct state. But the main word of God, the name of God is Elokeim. And the name Elokeim is, uh, the, it is 
uh, has, you'll notice it has a yud and mem at the end. Yud and mem at the end represents the plural. Okay? Yud and mem is plural. Elohim. And the, so like that should automatically set off a siren. Like, how do the Jewish people have a plural name of God? Like, aren't we monotheists? Like, why do we have a plural name of God? And the answer is, is Elohim is super special. It's how God is imminent in all of the physical world. Meaning, yud ke vav is how God's eminent, and Elohim is how he's imminent, how he fills creation. What? Well, think of the words, eminent, imminent. Eminent means surrounding, imminent means filling. So it's just like a tortilla, you know, and me a burrito, it's got the tortilla, it's beyond space and time, that's shame yud and hey and vav and hey, which is adne, and then Elohim, and we say Elokeinu, but it's the filling of creation. Hashem hu ha-Elokeim. Hashem, that which surrounds, is what fills. And uh, I can go into a lot of Kabbalah on that, and maybe I will in the next session tomorrow, but we'll, uh, we're going to hold on that as far as uh, going Kabbalistic on that. But the main thing for us is to have in mind now for this is that, is that he's running the show from within, meaning... The Shem Hashem is he's running the show from without, and now he's running the show from within. He's Takif, he's got of great, he's a, a all powerful. Balakhechas, um, he's the master of all forces. Balayachoyles, he's the master of all possibilities. Kulam, totally. You know, all of it together is, is what God is. And but again, this is how God's imminent inside creation. And and that is that's shame Elokeinu. Now then it says Velokeinu, and the God of our forefathers. So Elokeinu, our God, Velokeinu, and the God of our forefathers. Now I know we're done in three minutes. Three fathers. <laughs> Four fathers. Three fathers. Forefathers, not F O U R. It's F O R E, forefathers. <laughs> it's my Israeli daughter. So, yeah, forefather. Isn't that funny? It's four mothers, but it's the forefathers. Anyway, but here it doesn't even mean the forefathers, it means our fathers. When I mean, when I, here we're saying, our God and God of our fathers is meaning our actual father and grandfather and great grandfather. And, and I'll tell you the truth, it's Avot, or is uh, mother, grandmother's too, it's everyone. What it's basically saying is our God and the God of our ancestors. Now, what, what's the distinction? I mean, isn't that the same God? Like, why is it our God and God of our ancestors? So, when you um, open up the Ramchal, he actually explains them both. He says that... Uh, that Excuse me, can you turn off that recording, please? So, God of our... Our God means that he is... That we have a personal relationship with. God of our forefathers is they had a personal relationship. But how many people, the relationship with God is their parents' relationship? Meaning that they're just, they're just going off the dictates of the, what they were taught as kids about God, which means they have a child's version of God because they never quite forged the relationship with them, themselves, forged relationship with God by themselves. And, um, or also, they just were put into some kind of robotic state of service. 
um, that, you know, because, uh, okay, my grand, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, like, everyone did it, so I'm doing it. Okay, great. If you do it like that, that's called the God of your father. What about your God? And so the, the Ram Hulse says there that the, uh, the way you make it your God is by having a direct personal relationship with God in the way you interact with God. It's a personal relation. And um, and how do you get that? Well, it's either through investigation, through your own uh, divine providence going on in your life, through watching the way your prayers and you interact with prayers, if your prayer is one of your ways of interacting. The, uh, but that that's all... God of that's all my God stuff, and so, and and, and it's even brought down by the Ramchal, of Moshe Chaim Luzato, that uh, that's the difference between belief and knowledge, because there's many people who believe in God, but they don't know there's a God, and there's many people who know but don't necessarily their belief's not very strong. So, for example, someone who um, knows and doesn't, someone who believes and doesn't know, is someone who's just got my parents' God. So I believe in that God. But I don't know because I never had a personal interaction with God. I don't feel the personal relationship. And then there's people who have the opposite. They have, they have a personal relationship with God because they just their parents didn't give them anything. They were raised without it. So they have a personal relationship with God. They have Elokeinu, but Elokeinu comes hard for them because they, they weren't really raised at those formative years where they're like sponges. They didn't sponge it in. And so, um, yeah, so there you have to... Uh, <laughs> that's a whole discussion in itself what you got to do exactly to to get to the belief like the deep inner intrinsic inner belief that's hidden inside the heart of every person that has to come from the family if it didn't come from your parents then, you know that's that's deeper work deeper work okay so we're going to hold for now it's now 4 o'clock Israel time and uh, I hope this went great love to hear any feedback anyone's got feedback send comments, uh, anyone has questions, and please question. Um, I, I like very much to interact with people. I interact a lot on uh, WhatsApp, and so my WhatsApp number is plus 972-52-834-4664, plus 972-52-834-4664. So comments and questions, please feel free to send them my way, or I am at uh, yglazer at h.com yglazer at h.com blessing everybody shalom shalom signing off Yerushalayim. and everyone keep safe and keep the rules of the doctors and know that Hashem runs, runs the show on even the microscopic level shalom you've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com